Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Wednesday, November 3rd, we are studying Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 to 31. The Lord speaks against the faithless shepherds of his people, but he promises that he himself will be their shepherd. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Jacob Dandy. Pastor Dandy serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Yeah, good morning. It's good to be here. So we get started this morning. Let's talk a little context, Pastor Dandy. We made that turn in the book of Ezekiel yesterday where the news reached Ezekiel, Jerusalem has fallen, and we're going to start to hear a lot more gospel promises, promises of restoration for the people. What do we need to know about Ezekiel, his ministry, his context, as we get going into chapter 34 this morning? Yeah, this is um, uh, in the midst of a bit of of a thematic shift um, in the book of Ezekiel. Up to this point, it has really been focused on uh, the judgment of God um, against the nations, against uh, Israel and Judah um, for uh, their breaking of the covenant from their faithlessness and all of these things. And now we're, we're shifting into um, now God's reconciliation with his people. Um, uh, we, we're getting into a messianic and eschatological hope that uh, God is handing over and delivering to Ezekiel um, so that uh, the people of God now, after the destruction of Jerusalem in the midst of their exile, uh, are comforted and knowing that um, yeah, God has been just uh, in his dealings with the people of Israel, but God is also gracious. Um, and uh, we see that here and how he's going to conduct himself with the people of Israel in this text. In terms of what we're going to encounter in chapter 34, can you give us just a brief summary of what's in this chapter? I think it's going to be a little more familiar than some of the stuff we've read. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this should be a very familiar text for many. Um, uh, this is likely maybe second to maybe chapter 36. This is probably going to be the most uh, uh, familiar or probably the most familiar uh, uh, chapter in the book of Ezekiel for many. It appears in, uh, regularly in the lectionary. Uh, I know we, we use the historic lectionary here at Zion, and um, uh, it's the second Sunday of Easter every year. Um, it pops up along Good Shepherd Sunday, uh, and that's really the theme, uh, is that the Lord is going to be the, the Good Shepherd over his people, um, as he's referred to, and this is a common biblical theme that we have, you know, that, that God calls himself the shepherd of his people, the shepherd of his flock. I know we get that in Psalm 23. The New Testament carries that in John 10 as Christ is the good shepherd. Uh, and so here we have this very familiar and very comforting language, really, of, of God uh, uh, revealing himself as the, the shepherd, the caretaker, taker, the, the leader, the provider of his people. Um, and for his people, as he is going to take now personal care uh, to ensure that the, the future of his people is set forth in faithfulness and comfort and in joy. Um, uh, in the midst of this, though, we're, we're also going to have 
God calling out some of his under shepherds um, who have not been so faithful in their work. Um, this text really is going to be the tale of two different shepherds. We're going to see um, the, the, the human under shepherds of God uh, who have failed in their vocation um, or neglected their vocation uh, to be faithful shepherds of God's people. But then we'll see God's love for his sheep. Um, as it says in the text, he will come down himself and shepherd his people. Um, and so this is familiar language, comforting language, um, uh, but also in this language uh, for, for any young man considering ministry, um, maybe sobering language. I know uh, the, the first seven to 10 verses of this chapter almost kept me from going to seminary back in the day, um, just because of how sobering and real um, uh, the responsibility is that pastors have towards the flock and the duty that God sets before them in their vocation. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that with the text as we go. But uh, overall, we see that God is comforting um, and reconciling himself to his people through his work and through his love. Well, let's jump into the text. Again, we're in Ezekiel chapter 34 this morning. We're beginning now with verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. That takes us through verse 10 of the text. Pastor Danny, I think you, you called these shepherds here under shepherds previously. And before we talk about what they're doing, perhaps the question that we need to answer is, who are these shepherds? Who's the Lord talking about? Yeah, um, this can be somewhat open-ended to who Ezekiel is most likely referring to. Um, it, it could have been the political leaders of uh, Israel and Judah, the, the kings, the princes, the elders, the judges, um, who, who were given um, a task of leading God's people and uh, in faithfulness, um, um, enforcing God's civil law, encouraging and working towards uh, God's ceremonial and moral law, right? Um, uh, and um, also uh, ensuring that idolatry doesn't persist in the land. Um, if you want to think of maybe a positive example of this, uh, uh, perhaps you would think of maybe King Hezekiah or, or King Josiah in the history of Judah and Jerusalem. Uh, these 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 are these uh, 
pastors, uh, these these kings over Judah who sought to bring liturgical and uh, religious reform to the people of Judah, tearing down the high places, ensuring that there was no idolatry in the land, uh, encouraging and calling the people to worship according to God's commandments. Uh, these would be maybe positive examples of political shepherds, the, the kings of Judah and Israel that were doing their job. Uh, it could have also been the religious leaders of the people of God, the, the priests, the Levites, the prophets who um, had a certain um, religious and ceremonial, but also preaching authority set over God's people. Um, uh, we see that the kings of Israel were referred to as shepherds. We also see this role ascribed to prophets and priests from time to time. Uh, and in chapter 22 of Ezekiel, we rewind a little bit. We see God speaking to all three of these groups um, uh, as they uh, neglect their callings as God's people and God, leaders of God's people. The princes uh, were bent on the shedding of blood. The prophets conspired in order to consume the people. Uh, the priests did violence to God's law, treating it uh, as if it weren't important or necessary. And so we can likely assume that this title of shepherd uh, in the context of the people of Israel and Judah in the Old Testament would uh, be applied to all the levels of leadership, both spiritual and temporal, uh, because of the terrible state that the sheep were in. Um, you know, you look at how they're scattered. Uh, you look at how um, they are driven far from God. They are neglected. They are abused, right? But also, there's this issue that their their hearts are far from the Lord. Uh, they they aren't um, uh, uh, directed and taught and led to piety, faithfulness, observance of the law, um, and the callings of all the leaders of Israel, be it prophet, priest, king, uh, any of these things would have been to call the sheep into good pastures of God's word, uh, that he would call them to faith, repentance, obedience of God. Uh, uh, there, there's not this idea in, in Old Testament Israel and Judah of a separation between church and state, uh, but um, all those whom God entrusted his people to were to then bring those people to the Lord, direct those people to the Lord. Uh, and so when, when Ezekiel is talking about the shepherds of Israel, um, it is really anybody whom God has given the vocation of leadership or preaching or, um, uh, uh, or uh, um, uh, teaching or enforcing the law of God. Um, all of them would have had this duty towards the people of God um, to direct them in faithfulness, uh, to guide them. Uh, and we see that they failed on this in in most levels. Yeah, I mean the the condemnation is is pretty pretty harsh here in in everything that at verse four particularly you know everything that they were given to do they weren't doing. In fact, they were doing mm -hmm. quite the opposite. You, yeah. you you mentioned, Pastor Dandy, that this text particularly when you were considering going to seminary scared you. What what is yeah. what does a text like this have to say to pastors? Yeah, well, you know, pastors, you know, they have a duty 
towards the, the, the sheep of God's pasture. They, they have a duty to deliver God's people um, the faithful word. And so pastors are called to be stewards of the ministry, are mysteries of God. They're called to be uh, preachers of God's word. They're supposed to um, deliver both law and gospel to the people of God. Um, uh, they they have to discipline God's sheep um, and uh, discipline their congregations. And when you really think about the calling and the duty of a pastor, um, uh, it's it can be overwhelming at times, right? Um, pastor is just another word uh, for shepherd. Um, and and if you maybe look at the world around us, um, uh, there there really is a crisis of of really malnourished and and uh, uh, mal cared for uh, sheep. Uh, and if you think about the doctrinal crises that that happened throughout history, um, a lot of it has to do with a a shortcoming in preaching, uh, a shortcoming in teaching the the fullness of uh, uh, the scriptures, the fullness of God's word. Um, you know, if we even think about you know Reformation days coming up here soon. Um, we think about the 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 events of the Reformation. What was the 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 big thing that that was the aha moment for the Reformation? Well, it was a return to the scriptures. Um, it was a return to the viewing doctrine um, as something that comes from the source, from the Word of God, the ad fontes, as as the reformers called it. Um, but during that time, the the sheep were malnourished and skipped scattered their their hearts were far from the lord and it's because they didn't hear god's voice through his word uh in the preaching of the day the the mass was not in the vernacular it was in latin um uh the doctrines were were derived from historic documents uh aquinas lombard sentences uh um some of the papal decrees instead of the bible uh and so you see scriptural or uh, non-scriptural abuses of the sheep uh being wrought in the sale of indulgences uh um uh the kind of abuse of papal and priestly authority um and and that continually um is a danger that we face um if we stray from the preaching of God's word if we stray from our calling as as pastors and ministers um there there's a danger that the flock runs into um, and there's lots of temptations. Uh, if we think about today, there's temptations for pastors to maybe pick and choose what they want to preach. Um, and I never want to disparage our ministerium here in the LCMS, but very often we'll see some pastors um, conveniently fail to preach difficult text. Um, you know, Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 Timothy 2, these ones that maybe deal with male and female in the church um and when they come up in the lectionaries maybe the pastor will conveniently preach on a different lesson that day or um maybe a lot of times we'll spend a lot of uh, our time wringing our hands or explaining our way around passages that don't feel comfortable to the to us all the time or um or pastors will neglect to address social issues in the day so issues like homosexuality or abortion um, won't be addressed in the preaching and the teaching of a pastor as he uh, enters the pulpit or, or the, the Bible study room because he doesn't want to offend the sheep. Um, uh, he doesn't want to risk uh, uh, maybe losing church attendance or losing those weekly offerings. He wants to be kind of generally well-liked by people. 
Um, uh, or sometimes even you'll get the other end of the abuse and the pastor will actually forget to preach the, the gospel of forgiveness of sins because all he does is preach on the social issues of the day. Um, I, I recently listened to a sermon that did a wonderful job pointing out some of the social and political struggles that we face as God's church and God's people and how these things can be spiritual poison for us that can swallow up and destroy our faith. But I got to the end of the sermon and I don't recall hearing anything about my sins being forgiven. Uh, and so we must never forget our duty also then to feed the sheep with God's absolution, God's forgiveness of sins. Uh, and when we and, and really maybe the, the best way we Lutherans have of describing it is the, the law and gospel distinction that we have uh, and, and that that uh, duty of preaching, teaching and administering God's law and gospel. And when we fail to do that, um, very often uh, the, the sheep get confused, the sheep become afraid uh, perhaps maybe even they grow skeptical or cynical of the church or God's word. Um, but mainly, and, and this is the big issue, uh, they can have their consciences seared and scandalized. You know, Martin Luther, uh, for his sermon on Good Shepherd Sunday, he uh, has a, a sermon on Ezekiel 34 um, on this text. And, and he does a great job at rooting all of this in the conscience. Uh, you know, especially verse four, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled over them. And, and what Luther really does is he hammers this down. Well, this is the weak conscience. This is the sick conscience. This is the one who's scandalized in his heart from his sin. This is the one who's uh, uh, injured within because he he hasn't been uh, uh, called to repentance or injured within because um, uh, he hasn't been comforted with the word of God's gospel. Uh, the strayed you have not brought back. This is the one that most pastors in our day and age struggle with. Uh, those who have wandered from the faith, uh, they, they become so numerous at times that it's hard to catch up with them all. The lost you have not sought. Um, and so we, this calling as a pastor is so big um, uh, that it it's overwhelming and you, you realize that uh, you have this spiritual accountability given to you by God to care for his people. Um, and it, it's not until you get to the following verses that God comforts and, and really takes accountability for his sheep that, that you realize that, um, uh, you know, uh, God has grace for his pastors as well. That's right. Uh, but, because uh, we need it. Uh, That's right. Um, but uh, 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 but when God's word isn't present to direct, correct, um, to guide uh, wandering hearts, um, the sheep are in trouble. Yeah. And so uh, the 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 shepherd has a duty given by God, and he does employ and call his his pastors and his church to to do this duty and do this work. Yeah, it, it's a, a yesterday we looked at chapter thirty three, and we noted that part of chapter thirty three, verses seven to nine, particularly, are one of the suggested Old Testament readings for an ordination or an installation for a pastor, and similarly, mm -hmm. chapter thirty four. Verses 11 through 16 
is also a suggested Old Testament reading for an ordination or installation. It, but perhaps we need to hear this part of the chapter as well at an ordination or installation as, as a reminder of what you're saying, mm-hmm. that it, it does not depend on the man. It depends on the Lord who gives his promise. And certainly there's that, that comfort that's found in, in verses 11 and following that we will come to. A couple of, of thoughts in, in response to what you said, Pastor Dandy. One about how you, you know, on the one hand, there's a temptation to, to soften the law because we're afraid of the reaction of people of offending them. But also the, yeah. the flip side of that, I think it's very well pointed out that, that there's a temptation to focus only on that and forget about the gospel. And I think it, you know, it's, it's telling that, that Ezekiel has been called to be a watchman by the Lord and, and he heard that back in chapter 3, before he was given an extended series of oracles to preach that were primarily law, you know, call these things out. But now, right before we get into an extended series of promises of restoration, redemption of gospel, that that call to be a watchman was repeated. And I, I think there's there's something to that, a reminder that the the ministry of Ezekiel, and then the ministry of, of a pastor as well, is both. And, and to, to be less than faithful in one or the other is to is to be you know is to not fulfill what God has given. And so I, I appreciate you pointing that out because it is very easy for us to 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 say to those who who would soften God's law in, and to call them out on a text like this, but we need to be careful that we don't lose sight of the gospel and that that unique yes. Christian proclamation that we have. So I, I really appreciate you pointing that out in this section. Oh yeah. Well it's you, you know you can preach the law um as much as you want um but there's always this present danger that if if the people do not hear the gospel you will never ever make a christian (laughs) Uh, that's right uh you know um the the gospel the forgiveness of sins that's what really um uh creates faith um uh as we we acknowledge from from uh the scriptures and the confessions uh that that really is what's going to keep us in the faith that's what's going to protect us from all real spiritual ailments and sicknesses it's the fact that uh god does send his his good shepherd our savior jesus to die for our sins which we can get to here in a minute sure that's right well and i think that that's a good good transition so let's let's keep reading in the chapter here on this matter of the good shepherd because We've seen the problem very clearly. There are these shepherds in Israel who have not done what the Lord has set them to do. The Lord is going to bring his judgment upon them, but he's got promises for his people. And this image of shepherd sheep continues as the text continues here in verse 11 now. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice." 
As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture, and to drink of clear water, that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet, and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep, because you push with side and shoulder, and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock, and they shall no longer be a prey. And I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set over, set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. That takes us through verse 24 of this text. Again, familiar from Good Shepherd Sunday, as you mentioned earlier, Pastor Dana. We've got about two minutes here before the break. Help us to just get started, maybe summarize what's going on in this section. We'll dig in a little more detail on the other side. Yeah, so you, you get um, maybe two levels of this. Um, first, you know, this would be a very comforting word just to hear uh, of uh as the people in exile are far away from the land of promise, they're far away from their inherited land. Uh, and now we see that, that God has promised that he will gather his sheep and cause them to graze in the, the good pastures of Israel, right? Um, and so there's this, this word of comfort there. Uh, but ultimately, I think there's this word of comfort uh, coming forth that, that God has promised to be present with his people, that he um, uh, doesn't necessarily, uh, or he does uh, uh, desire to be near his people. And though the the shepherds uh, that he has appointed over his people have failed uh, in just about every way, um, that that he will not. Um, that that he will gather his people as his own. He will uh, bring about his flock, join them to himself. Um, and and ultimately uh, lead them to the the green pastures of eternal life. Uh, that's a that's a great great summary for us on this side of the break, Pastor Danny. We'll pick up more of the details on the other side. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. We're talking Ezekiel chapter 34 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Wednesday, November 3rd. We are studying Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 to 31 with Pastor Jacob Dandy. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. 
Pastor Dandy, prior to the break, we were in the middle of the discussion on Ezekiel chapter 34. You summarized it very well for us. Take us into some of the details and especially help us to see how in this chapter we get a really good picture of Jesus as our good shepherd. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the connections and the the parallels in this passage and just about every other um, shepherd description a description we get in the New Testament are just um, absolutely striking. You know, God um, really does have uh, a lot of unity in his scriptures. And we see that in this text as he talks about uh, the good shepherd. The Lord really is the good shepherd. Uh, and he says he will come and gather his sheep that have been scattered from him. Uh, and this has that immediate fulfillment um, in the promise of the return from the exile that uh, um, Ezekiel and all the exiles will be drawn back uh, into Israel. Um, his people will be gathered. They'll be returned to their land. They'll rebuild Jerusalem. They'll return to right worship of God. Uh, but um, also, more importantly, God will gather his sheep um, around himself. Um, that he is going to uh, return them from the wanderings of their heart. Um, he will gather his sheep in faith. And, and that ultimately is about Jesus. Um, the Lord is incarnate to gather his flocks. Uh, if we remember uh, in just a few details from just the Gospels, John chapter 6 um, this is where Jesus does that wonderful miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Um, he has compassion on the crowds that follow him out into the, the wilderness outside of Bethsaida um, and begins to teach them uh, and to heal their sick because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Um, and then ultimately he, he feeds them and then feeds them with the bread of life. Um, in Matthew 15, uh, as Jesus is discussing um, uh, his ministry towards the Gentiles, uh, he said that he's come to find the lost sheep of Israel. And then maybe the best image we have of Jesus is when he calls himself the, the good shepherd um, in, in John chapter 10. Uh, where we see that uh, uh, Jesus, what, what does he do? Uh, he is the fulfillment of Psalm 23, and he is the fulfillment of here, uh, Ezekiel 34. Um, as the thief comes to kill, and John chapter 10, let me just read a portion of it, actually, so we can see the unity here. He says in uh, chapter 10, uh, just a portion of it, he says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know mine own. And my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock, one shepherd. And for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up. This charge I receive from my father. Mm. 
right? And so how does Jesus identify himself as the shepherd of the people? Well, he is the one who calls his sheep into his pasture. He knows them. He defends them from the wolf, and he lays down his life for the sheep. And so uh, here we see that uh, um, this description of God coming down and shepherding his people is, is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And if we jump to the last verse or two of this section, he, he, what, does, what does God reveal? He says, I will set over my sheep one shepherd, my servant, David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Right, And so we, we have here this, this image of God sending his good shepherd. Uh, he calls him David here, but the son of David. Um, uh, uh, this, this, this stem of Jesse, this, this royal descendant of David who comes to be the shepherd of God's people. Uh, and he becomes our prince. He becomes our king, our ruler, and our gracious God. And so we have this this wonderful reality that God sends Christ to be our good shepherd. And what does he do? Well, he feeds us with the forgiveness of sins. He feeds us with uh, the mercy of God through his death on the cross and his resurrection on the last, uh, uh, on, on Easter Day. So. Yeah, there's a beautiful connection here with John chapter 10, and particularly those last verses, you know, 1 through 16, and then that last couple of verses where he's identified as as David, the son of David. I mean, so many connections that we can make with the New Testament, with this good shepherd image, and really throughout the scriptures, it's it's such a... I mean, there's a reason that Psalm 23 is beloved within the church, and, mm. and, and I mean, that image is so comforting, particularly when you think about the situation that the sheep have been experiencing in verses 1 through 10, and now that the Lord himself is going to be the one to come and rescue his sheep, to do what those faithless shepherds would not do. I mean, what, what comfort there is for the, the abused, the neglected, the lost, the scattered sheep that the Lord's going to be the one to do these things. And, and again, just to, to tie briefly into what we're talking about pastors, you know, what a wonderful comfort for pastors who, who would feel the burden, who would feel the law accusing them through this text to know that it's, you know, it's not about you, it's not about me and, and how great of a pastor we are, but it's rather about how, how good the good shepherd is, and, and we're not the ones to save the sheep. We simply point those sheep to the one who has saved them, to their good shepherd. It's just, this text is full of that that comfort. Feel free to, to comment more on that, Pastor Danny, but there's also something that we shouldn't neglect here in this section as well. With all the talk of the faithless shepherds and then the Lord being the good shepherd, there is a reminder within this text that there's a problem in the flock too, and there oh, are yeah. there's there's the flock and their need for repentance as well. That comes out particularly in verse seventeen. It, it's still in the the same imagery of mm-hmm. flocks and sheep, uh, but help us to see how that brings out another aspect of this whole image. Yeah, yeah, and so just just backing up a little bit and talking more about the the maybe the the difference in this tale of two different shepherds. Um, you know, as pastors, you know, our, our common prayer should always be, um, um, uh, please, Lord, don't regard your flock according to 
my righteousness. Um, don't regard your flock according to my works or my gifts or my abilities or my lack thereof. Um, but always regard your flock according to the good shepherd. Um, uh, and we remember that and, and we're always we are always comforted by that um, because you, you see the, the the faithless shepherds of Israel. Uh, um, what are they doing? They're they're getting fat off the sheep. Right. Um, but then we have the good shepherd. And what does he do? He lays down his life for the sheep. Um, and uh, there is a, a difference here between the love of Christ um, that that uh, uh, supersedes all of our shortcomings and all of our failures in, the, uh, in life, in the ministry or or even our just individual weaknesses. Um, Christ uh, really covers it all. And we help the people see Christ, help the people know their good shepherd. Um, that's a, a great and wonderful thing. Um, yeah, there, uh, but there is this, this reality of life within the flock, right? Um, uh, that there are um, uh, 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 those whom Christ is going to have to judge within the flock. He's going to judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and goats. Um, because as, as God feeds his people on good pastures, uh, there are those who tread down uh, 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 the rest of the pasture so that others don't get to eat the good grass or those who drink clear water and then muddy the waters, right, uh, with their feet. Um, and uh, uh, we see that, that, the God, uh, that God asks this kind of rhetorical questions, must my sheep eat what you have trodden and drink what you have muddied? Um, and maybe one of the good descriptions I've heard from this text is that, you know, you, you think about um, cattle or sheep going into a clear stream, and when they come out the other end, what does it look like? It, it looks awful. It's filled with mud and everything else that sheep leave behind. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's those who, who tread down upon the gifts of Christ or diminish the gifts of Christ or muddy the waters of God's word. Um, uh, or, or just make it difficult. Um, <laughs> uh, don't honor the gifts of the good shepherd. Don't honor the direction of the good shepherd or have no love for the, the fellow members of the flock. Um, Jesus talks about this in, in Matthew 25, right? He talks about the son of man returning in glory. Uh, and what does he do? He judges between the, the, the sheep and the goats, right? Um, uh, Matthew 25, it goes, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne and before him will be gathered all nations and he will separate people, one people from another people as a shepherd separates sheep from goats. And he will place his sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And the king will say to those on his right, come, you blessed by the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord. When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. 
But then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, and the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. And then they will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not minister to you? And then he'll answer saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so we, we see that the, the good shepherd is the ultimate judge of his flock, who really is one of his sheep. Who really does belong to his flock? Who really does um, uh, place their faith in the Savior? Um, and I think these are um, uh, uh, important things to remember. And, and um, of course, we are saved by faith in Christ alone. We are saved by grace through faith, uh, not by works of the law. But as we're saved by grace through faith, there, there is going to be fruit in the flock. There's going to be fruit among those who are part of God's flock uh, where they're going to love each other, right? They're going to love their neighbor. They're going to regard the other members of the flock, um, be they weak sheep or strong sheep, um, uh, in love and care and consideration. Um, and everything that they do is going to be directed towards the faith of their neighbor, right? Um, when we, we live in the church, um, uh, really that's the thing that we should regard amongst our neighbor the most. Um, uh, uh, how does my neighbor receive the gifts of Jesus? How can I help my neighbor um, uh, uh, see and understand and hear the words of their good shepherd? Uh, uh, how can I help my neighbor um, uh, live in the flock of God and care and have compassion for my brothers and sisters in Christ um, uh, uh, without scandalizing their conscience. You know, if we, if we go around as Christians uh, living a licentious lifestyle, continually uh, not thinking about the repercussions of what we do, what will eventually will happen is that other people's faith will be scandalized, right? Uh, but we're called to love uh, within the flock, um, and and Christ certainly saves us uh, and and gathers us as His own, and this fruit is born in us, and sometimes we don't even recognize it, and so that's a gift. Mm, certainly, I think the the comparison there to Matthew twenty five is a really helpful explanation of what Ezekiel is is saying there. You're, you're talking about the, I think within this section. I, it's just as you were talking, I was reminded of the way Luther explains the first petition in the Catechism about God's mm -hmm. name being holy, and how that's that's both the Word of God being taught in its purity, but it's also when we as God's children lead holy lives according to it, and yeah, how we yeah. you know we pray for protection from both of those things, and for the for the holiness of God's name for the precise purpose you're talking about, so that those who who would hear the word preached and those who would see the lives of Christians wouldn't be scandalized and, and drawn farther away from the faith, but rather, you know, through those two things, through that holiness of God's name among us, that, that more would see, would hear, they would believe because of that. I, I think there's a, a connection there. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so that, and that's a, that's a wonderful calling that we have. Um, and it's, it's all under that, that care of, of the good shepherd who, um, once again, is continually calling with his voice, right? Um, uh, he's continually calling, uh, uh, through his word, 
through holy preaching. Um, and so uh, we remember that that those those uh, uh, good works are a special grace and gift of the Holy Spirit uh, that comes through God's holy word. That it, it's a it's a fruit that is born through faith in Christ. It's a fruit that is born through having and living in this wonderful forgiveness of sins and having Christ um, shepherding his flock in love and care. Uh, and so that's a big thing to remember there too. So we've got a few more verses left in Ezekiel chapter 34 this morning. This image of the shepherd is still in the background, but I think there's an expansion of it here. We get some, it sounds like new creation language. So let's take a look at the rest of the chapter. Again, Ezekiel 34 verses 25 to the end. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessing, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit, and the earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land, and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslaved them. They shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beasts of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely, and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. That's the rest of Ezekiel chapter 34. That was verses 25 through 31. Pastor Danny, that is a beautiful picture. Again, I think it's certainly related to this idea of the Lord is good shepherd, we as his flock, but it seems more expansive. I mean, a lot of new creation language, I think, there. Take us into this these verses. Yeah, and so um and this is this is where Ezekiel really starts to make his um eschatological term our turn in the text where he starts really directing um, the people of Israel to the coming of the Messiah, but then also to um, uh, the, the new creation, um, uh, uh, the, the, the coming uh, of, of the, the last days. And so perhaps maybe uh, another familiar text that we could compare this to for All Saints Day um, would be Revelation 7 where we, we see that um, uh, God is the shepherd of his people. God shelters his people. God provides for his people uh, and also sanctifies his people, atones for their sin, right? And so um, uh, uh, we, we have uh, the description of the, the flock of God um, uh, assembled in, in paradise, right? And so we have this interlude of the, the life of the church gathered before God. Uh, and it says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them in his presence. And they shall hunger no more, nor thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so... We, we see that this this is uh, a reversal of the scattered sheep, 
Um, this is a reversal of the um, oppressed and sick sheep being um, uh, pushed around or knocked around or malnourished. But these, these are the people of God having the Lamb of God in their midst as their shepherd. The one who has atoned for their sin, the Lamb who was slain uh, to give them everlasting life, now stands as their shepherd in eternity. Uh, and there is no more hunger. There is no more thirst. There is no more scorching heat of the sun. There are only springs of living water and the tears wiped from our eyes, right? Uh, and that's a beautiful comparison to this text as they, they uh, um, have the trees of the fruit field and their fruit um, uh, increase in blessing. Um, uh, uh, the, the bars of their yoke are broken. They're uh, no longer enslaved. They're no longer prey to the nations. They're no longer um, uh, having the beast of the field devour them, but they are secure in the hands of God. And that is a hope that we live in now as the people of God. As we are baptized into Christ, as we have been washed in the blood of Christ, as we live under the care of our good shepherd, we have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And our good shepherd opens up his hand and feeds us. He calls us with his voice. We know his voice. But also, that's the, the, the hope that we have in the last day as we look forward to the coming of our Savior, as we look forward to the joy and the life that we have in him in eternity, where we will be brought through, um, to use Psalm 23 again, uh, the valley of the shadow of death into the green pastures of eternal life. Um, uh, as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no fear. Christ is with us, but we walk through it knowing that we are being brought to the, to the green pastures of eternal life in Christ and to the resurrection of all flesh, to the life everlasting that we have promised for us under the care of our good shepherd. And we will sit before him uh, and, and be comforted, uh, have joy, uh, rest uh, under the care of the one who has provided all good things for us. That, that picture of rest here in the end, I think, really comes through very clearly. And, and as I was reflecting on this chapter as a whole, and I think you see a, a bit of a—well, not a bit, quite a contrast with this, what the ESV calls the covenant of peace in its heading. <laughs> at, at the beginning, this picture of the sheep enjoying that rest compared to the picture of the sheep— that were under the faithless shepherds and how the faithless shepherds yeah. were abusing them. But, but I think, you know, what, what's broader about this part of the text and, and, you know, really I think points us toward that end times view, as you're saying, is that it's not just the faithless shepherds that are the danger to the sheep, but here you've got the outside enemies as well. You know, it's, it's not yeah. just the false teachers of the church who, who come from within, but it is the enemies attacking from without and, and here in, in this text, the picture that, that the Good Shepherd is giving, it, you know, as, as this grand conclusion to this chapter, is that, you know, every enemy, whether it's the false teacher from within, whether it's abuse from, you know, the, the wicked sheep in the flock, whether it's from the outside, you know, the nations that would harm, and, you know, we think about, you know, the world and the devil, our own sinful nature, whatever the enemy may be, the good shepherd is going to protect his flock from those enemies. And as you said, there will be rest, there will be joy, there will be perfect peace. And so while the, you know, the good shepherd isn't 
quite in view within these verses explicitly, I think that that image still dominates and really does culminate this whole chapter with this grand climax of of what awaits the Lord's people. Uh, Pastor Danny, we got about three minutes here to help wrap this morning up, summarize, give us the goods again from Ezekiel 34. Yeah, so um, really this this text is all about comfort to um, exhausted uh, and abused sheep, right? Um, it's, it's all about comfort being delivered to um, those who have heard of the destruction of Jerusalem, those who are torn from their native home, um, uh, those who, uh, uh, in, in a sense, maybe feel as if they are uh, being distanced or having God's uh, blessings ripped away from them. Here we, we have the, the great comfort of God saying, no, I, I am with you. Um, yes, you have been abused by bad shepherds, but I will be your good shepherd. Yes, there are wicked ones within the congregation, but I will care for you. I will judge. Um, uh, yes, there are enemies without. There are enemies within. There are struggles as you travel through this valley of shadow of death, but I am with you. My rod and my staff will comfort you. Um, I will be your good shepherd. And, and that is ultimately fulfilled in the incarnation of Christ. As Christ uh, comes and is born to call the lost sheep of Israel, but Christ continually comes to care for his sheep. Christ is present. Uh, Christ is present with his church. Christ is present with his Christians. As his word is preached, as his sacraments are administered, as we gather in his name, he is with us. And so we, we can take great comfort in knowing that we have the continual providential care of Christ. We have the care and the feeding from his hand as we have his word declared to us, both law and gospel. As we have the atonement and the forgiveness of sins handed to us regularly. Um, and we also then have the hope that uh, there is peace. Um, there is peace in Christ, both now in the assurance that Christ is with us, but then uh, on the last day, as we will be gathered before the throne of the Lamb who was slain, and he will be our good shepherd. He will shelter us. He will care for us in eternity. Um, and all of these things that would uh, um, harm our faith, alarm our consciences, break our hearts, um, uh, scandalize our neighbor. These things will be no more, and uh, the Good Shepherd will wipe every tear from our eyes. Pastor Jacob Dandy is pastor at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California, helping us today with Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 to 31. Pastor Dandy, thanks for being our guest today. It's been a pleasure. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. If you have any questions about the book of Ezekiel, comments on the series, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or use the open mic feature on the app to send a message to us. We always love to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow. <laughs>